Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Happy Friday, Jeff. Happy Friday. I am, uh, my mind is not on an island right now. I'm here with you. Oh, stop. For our listeners, though, yeah. you've got a better co-host than me next week, don't you? We got Keith Pompey on next week. He's going to be here in studio. And well, we're not just going to talk Sixers, man. We're no, going to talk all sports. You're going to let Keith go around the That's sports right. world, aren't you? Uh-huh. He's excited He's about He's going to show off his chops. Yeah, I may have to try and call in from wherever I am. My wife and I are going to get a little time away before our second little one yeah, joins if, us. If you call in and you're like giggling because you've had too many Mai Tais now. <laughs> you're going to know You're going to yeah. know what's going uh-huh. on. And, and, and if you dare tell us, anybody in Philadelphia, the weather... We will dump you faster than Jerry, Jerry Jones got dumped in Dallas today. Yeah, it, I looked this morning. It's about 85 in Maui. So it's, uh, I know you're not going to Hey, hey Rob, can funny. you dump him now? <laughs> Even though he's in studio, can we dump so Jason? So am I the Jerry Jones of the radio show yes, now, getting dumped before we start? W- without dropping any uh, whatever bombs you want to say. Yeah, but, don't curse, yes. because Robert will have to drop dump you like Jerry Jones happens yeah. on the radio. You want to try saying that again? Clearly, he's not happy after last night's game, is he? Oh, poor Jerry. Jera. Poor Jerry. Did you see the report out today? Huh? He's going after your boy. Which one? Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. Oh, that's that's an old report, though. That's... Urban Meyer has been pretty much lobbying for that job. He's The guy's just got no scruples. I only hope the Eagles don't screw up my happiness that Dallas lost, Dallas lost twice in like seven days. I, I just that's my only hope. And we'll get to that at about four thirty well, with Zach Berman. Didn't they already do that by losing to Miami? Yeah, that was a tough week okay. last week. We'll get to all that with Zach Berman in a little bit. Let's start with a little college football. Alabama's out of the top five for the first time in five years. I know that makes you excited. Bowl season awaits. Seventy nine bowl eligible teams for seventy eight spots. One team isn't going to get Oh, it. who's the one team that it's, is not going to get it? It looks like either it's going to be a MAC team or a conference USA team. That, that will not get in. Rutgers didn't make the final cut, though, huh? No, but Rutgers has a coach. Uh, just remember, my prediction was, remember what it was. No, I don't listen to you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, just dump him. Seriously, I'll just do the show alone. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers will be 500 or better in two seasons. I know that's your thought. They, yeah. they did have a... Uh, some people come out of the transfer portal, including mm-hmm. their starting quarterback. Sikowski. Um, a little bit of a debacle to get there, uh, to get to him as the head coach. Look, does it matter if you if you if you make the world's most famous dish as a chef? Does it matter how you made the dish? No. Okay. As I'll, long as long as it's done sanitary. I'll, <laughs> I'll take your point. Uh, it was messy though. Okay, uh, but it's over. You got you you got your man. That's that's there all are a that lot matters. of people very excited about. It. I actually had a meeting yesterday. It was a, a work meeting with a guy who happens to be a Rutgers alum, a Letterman that had played football, and right. um, he was very excited mm-hmm. about about Shiano coming back and what it meant for the team. And so you think two years? You think that they're yeah? I'm so not, I'm not going to get Michigan seventy-seven, bowl, Rutgers three no, score alerts anymore. No, they will be bowl eligible in two years. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, we'll see about I that. I didn't say they were going to win the division. Lots of other coaches moving on the carousel. Chris Peterson resigns as Washington's head coach. That was a surprise, and that's another name that's apparently come up for the, for Cowboys, the Cowboys job. job. I, I don't understand how these guys talk about how they're burnt out and then take another job. Well, you get rejuvenated when you get that contract. Oh, really? Is that how that works? <laughs> Energy level comes back up real fast. Uh, Steve Adazio out at Boston College. Charlie Strong out at USF. 
Your boy Lane Kiffin may get a shot at Arkansas with their opening. Oh, good for him. Willie Taggart out at Florida State. Wonder if James Franklin ends up leaving for Penn State or Florida well, State. Well, the one that I had heard was James Franklin to USC, but USC decided they were going to hold on to Helton. For USC year. did not make a move. They yeah. kept Helton. And Matt Luke out at Old Miss, where they have players saying half the team is ready to transfer. So we'll see Fine. what they end up doing you know, there. You know, this transfer portal, we've talked about it yeah, with, I know with, you're not a fan. with athletic directors and coaches, and it, it's it's a real problem now. You know who doesn't do that, though? Who? The guys in Army and Navy. They, I, I don't think they can enter the transfer. They, you you they, have a military requirement. You can't go anywhere. We, we were down there on Wednesday at the media day for next week's game. It's the 120th version. Uh, I've talked on the show for years about how it was on my bucket list. I finally went last year. You have been there and seen it. We both watched on TV. It was pretty cool for us to get to talk to not only the coaches whose interviews we'll play in a minute, but the players. And and we mentioned to the coaches sort of the honor that we felt being around these guys. Uh, I you know we've interviewed you know greats like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and national championship coaches and owners of teams, and these just felt like different interviews. You know the, these even though they're younger. They, they seem just more mature than their age because of where the, what their life trajectory looks like and what they've been through. And the, the, the maturity, the intelligence, the, the lack of – there's no selfishness when you're talking to them. And you can see that. And, and when we talk to the coaches, that's one of the things they talk about is, is that youth today and, and probably of all times is more concerned with themselves. And there's a selflessness to – people that go to these academies and we'll put out on our website in podcast form all of the interviews we did got a bunch of players from army got the coaches from army and navy the captains the captains let's let's go though we're going to play back to back the coaches for army and navy first we've got jeff munkin of army and then we'll have ken niamatololo of navy good job man i studied a lot for that did you yeah it's a that's a tongue tire but he was cool about it. It's a tongue tire? <laughs> yeah, he was he was cool about it when I went in. So why don't we go to those interviews and we'll talk about it when we come back. Sounds good. We're here with Coach Monken from Army. Coach, how you doing? I'm great, thank you. So, Coach, I got to start with um, my heart just started beating again as a Michigan alumni. Uh, what was it like to play in the big house and bring your team there? That was an incredible experience for our team. Um, I think for every college football player, the first time they put the pads on, that's where they imagine themselves being in 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 a, incredible atmospheres like that against. One of the the best teams in the country, one of the most historic programs in college football. It was a great experience for our players, and our guys played really, really hard, and uh, and fortunately not quite well enough to pull off the victory. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a great battle. I'm really proud of our guys for for how hard they fought and and the effort they put in that afternoon. As somebody who's been going to those games for decades. I've never been in a stadium where the away team had so much respect. What is it like for for you as the Army coach to go into these stadiums knowing that it's a different feel than if than if you went in as Ohio State into a place like that? I don't know that I've really ever thought about that. I, I think uh, I just I go in there like every other coach to, hoping that we've prepared our team well enough to win and uh, 
and do everything we can while we're there for those three hours to position our team to, to get the victory. So I, I don't know that I that I took any time to, to contemplate that or think about that. We were just trying to win the game, and when we didn't, we were, we were all very disappointed. Your players have talked about your relationship with Navy's coach. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that relationship and, and what it's like to play against him on game day once a year? I consider Kenny a, a great friend, and I hope he would say the same. Uh, yeah, he, he, he and I. You get first crack. Uh, he and I uh, were were graduate assistants together back in 1990. He was actually a, a senior quarterback on the '89 team. I was a GA, and 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 we really started to befriend each other, even while he was playing. He, Kenny was uh, very mature. He was married already at that time, uh, and he immediately transitioned to a role as a graduate assistant. We worked together and we became very close friends and have remained close friends. We worked together again uh, under Paul Johnson at Navy and and when when I left with Paul to go to Georgia Tech and then as the head coach at Georgia Southern, Kenny and I continued to talk. We talked often and and uh, and maintain that friendship and 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 at that time we're still able to talk uh, talk shop. We could talk football and talk recruiting and and uh, as 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 this rivalry has uh, has has kind of pushed a wedge in between Kenny and I and, and our relationship. It doesn't change the friendship, but it does change. The relationship, and then we, 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 we can't share anything about uh, a common opponent or in recruiting or philosophy or because we're giving away secrets. And, and I don't want him to beat us, he doesn't want us to beat, beat them. And, and uh, so, it there will come a time in, in, in each of our lives we'll, where we'll, we'll no longer be a part of this rivalry, we'll be, we'll be retired, and, and hopefully, uh, we'll have rekindled the. the the friendship and and be able to 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 share stories and and I'm looking forward to that. He's an incredible guy and and uh, and like I said, I consider him a great friend. You mentioned being on Paul Johnson, Steph. You have a long history with the Army Navy game. We ask the players all the time what it means to them. What does it mean to you to be a part of this rivalry, to be a part of this game? It is a, a an incredible source of pride for me personally to be a part of this game and to be to be a part of West Point and and the Army team. The, the, these these two. Academies are 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 two of the the best academic institutions in the country, but they stand for for so much more than than just that. It's it's uh, it's two student bodies of young men and women who have made a pledge to serve our nation and to to lead soldiers and sailors in the face of the enemy to defend the freedoms that all of us enjoy. So to to be a leader and being a, being a leadership position at a place like West Point.
point is a is an incredible source of pride for me personally, and uh, and it comes with a great res great responsibility for for me for our staff to be examples to these these young men and women of, of what it means to be a leader. Jason and I were talking uh, before we talked to you about um, it's it. There's a special honor to talking to to your players um, because of what they do. How proud are you of of the players that you get to coach and the men that they become? I, I'm, I am incredibly proud of our our players and uh, and as I said, the the pledge of commitment that they've made to serve. That's that's not easy to do when so many of these young people in society today are are encouraged to think only of themselves and to the the, the, the selfish nature of uh, what's what's in it for me and they put that all that aside and and they become part of something much bigger than themselves and that's not easy for anybody to do to 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 do that takes a, a servant's heart and uh, and a just a a sense of of calling that's beyond the common man we talk to coaches all the time and they always talk about one game at a time but for you how, how do you coach these guys one game at a time when you know they're always looking forward to to this game I, I don't know that uh, our guys do I think people probably be surprised we talk about the magnitude of this rivalry but I don't think that they look ahead past any games to this one uh, winning a, a division one football game is is a difficult task there's enough that we need to do each time we prepare for one of those games that we can't think about or focus on or or, or concern ourselves with any other opponent than the one that we're we're preparing for it's it's when this game finally becomes the one that that really intensifies and we 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 set all our sights on this game it's an animal all its own and it is it is an intensity that's different in the way you prepare and the way you play different than any other game that's for sure speaking of which uh, several of your players talked about your demeanor off the field and, and your demeanor when you get on the sideline uh, what's it like to coach during a game I, I love competition um, and if I'm competing in anything I want to win mm -hmm. so I guess being a coach on the sideline is is probably uh, a lot like being a competitor in in any contest that I'm trying to do the best I can to do my job to help our team win and uh, and so I, I compete fiercely to try to make that happen well coach we hope you get some uh, sleep in the near future we know it's been a long trip from Hawaii and uh, thank you for your time thanks a lot of Navy. I got your name right this time so there we go we're off to a good start coach what is this week like and this game like for you and how is it different than everything else you encounter well it's different and people that say it's not different aren't being honest I mean it's different it's your big rivalry game it's one of the you know many
many people have said the biggest rivalry in, the, in sports just because of what it represents, the two schools, the two institutions, and what both schools mean to our country. But it's different. Um, there's, it's special, a lot of emotion. But I know our kids and our program, I mean, we love this week. What's it mean to you to, to lead your men out there? Uh, we, we talked about earlier the honor that it is when we get to talk to your players, just the integrity and character they bring to it. What's it like for you as the coach to lead these men? Um, and I say this all the time, very humbling and very grateful to be able to lead them uh, because I know who they are, who they represent. You know, you know, they'll have helmets on and they'll be playing football, but in today's day and age when it's all about yourself and people are always think about themselves, and that's not a bad thing, it's just human nature to have kids to think or people to think about serving, doing other things for other people. That's not the norm and it's not natural, so I have a tremendous amount of respect for them as human beings and it's a great honor for me to lead them out. Coach, in addition to the rivalry of the two academies, uh, you have a relationship with Coach Monken. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we've known each other uh, since uh, I was in college, a senior in college. He was a graduate assistant at Hawaii. Become really good friends with him. You know, I know his family. He knows my family. Uh, we've been friends, and we're and we're still friends. It, our our friendship, uh, as a as a friendship, as you would call it, obviously is postponed a little bit. It's not like we call each other all the time and stuff because he's at Army and I'm at Navy. But eventually, when it's all said and done, we'll still be friends because you know I. I love Jeff. He's a great man. I love his family. But when you're at rival schools, you, that relationship has to stop. <laughs> you gave almost the same answer that he gave. And he talked about that, that when it's all over, he can't wait to sit down with you. And do you have that feeling of, of you know, what will it be like when it's over for you? Will you be able to look back and, and enjoy the memories that you've had of this tradition, of this rivalry? Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great to think back about it. And I can see where it's at. It's going to be in Hawaii because Jeff loves Hawaii too and I'm from Hawaii and he's you know, he's got a lot of dear friends there but I can see us you know in a barbecue after you know talking about it I just want to make sure hopefully I'm up on him on wins before that day happens but no, I'm just joking just I have a tremendous amount of respect for him but um, eventually that day will come but it's not now. Coach what do you do leading up to this to kind of look it's natural for your players to be jacked up for this particular game how do you keep them emotions in check. I know that they're military guys, but but how do you do that? Well, you try to talk about the emotions. You try to do things to, to train them, to prepare them for it, to let them know what it's going to be like. But you still can't prepare them for it. It's it's the, the atmosphere, the uniqueness of the game day setting. Uh, for guys that have played in it a lot, for the guys that's their first game, it's the same butterflies. This will be my 22nd game, and it's still the same. The butterflies don't go away. So you just try your best to try to help them prepare for it, try to give them mechanisms and ways to kind of cope with the, the stress, the, the anxiety, the nerves, but eventually you got to work through it. We had mentioned in a previous interview, and when we are talking to ourselves, we feel like it's an honor to get to talk to your players, the, the character they bring to it. How do you describe your players to other people when, when you're asked about them? I, I, I describe them as the greatest kids in the country. I mean, I love coaching them. Uh, I've had opportunities to look at other schools because of the success that our programs had. But an overriding factor for my family and I to stay here 
here are the young men. They're just, you love coming to work every day. You love to coach them, you love to be around them. It just reminds you that we live in a, the greatest country in the world, that we have young men like this that are willing to serve, willing to sacrifice everything for others. It, you got to pinch yourself to kind of let you know the reality of the type of young men you coach. You were asked about the atmosphere, the, the pop and circumstance outside of the game, the prisoner exchange, the flyover. Does any of that get to you as a coach? Or, or is it always special with those butterflies? Is it always something new? Or how is it for you? Well, the butterflies are always there, but it has nothing to do with any of that. I mean, all of my is, is external, in, excuse me, internal uh, pressures to try to win as a coach, the competitive nature. But we don't ever see any of the flyovers. I mean, we're in the locker room. So as great as those traditions are, the march on and all those things, we as coaches and players don't see all of that. But the game, the stuff with the game is truly special. The players talked about uh, how cool it is for them in the, in the weeks leading up at the Naval Academy. What's it like for you? Um, Do you get to enjoy it? No, I don't know if you get to enjoy it because you're, <laughs> you're preparing for the game. So it's game preparation. It's you're in game mode. You're game planning. You're trying to prepare your team to play the best they can. And so that's always hard. Um, but it's a, from a preparation standpoint, a lot of sim things are similar. But because of the opponent, it adds, adds a little bit more, uh, I don't know if anxiety or nerves to it. And it doesn't change. I mean, like I said, this is my 21st, 22nd game. And the, the nerves are still the same. All right. Well, Coach, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. And good luck. Thanks for having me. Fun, Jeff, right? That was a great time. And it was, uh, and we've got some more interviews with some of the the players, like we talked about the captains for the team. You know what was interesting to me? The, it, if you played back to back, just the questions about each coach about the other coach, they were almost identical answers. Yeah, it was, and we didn't tell them each what the other had said. No, or that we were we were taking that angle of of what was their relationship. But it's interesting that those guys go back so far. The it, the, the fact that. Navy's coach was a senior at the University of Hawaii when Army's coach was a graduate assistant. And then those two started coaching together as graduate assistants. And that they, the other thing that I, I always find fascinating is when you talk to coaches who become battle tested guys against each other and how their friendship. They don't end their friendship. They postpone their friendship until it's over. Yeah, look, they sat right next to each other at the table at media day. Yeah. They they fist bumped each other after the other one went up and talked. That, that was interesting. You, or, you, know, you, you know, watched that, right? Like, yep, just like a quiet pat on the back. Or, yeah. You know, it, it was it was interesting to see. You could tell that these guys have an uh, affection for each other, but that will end and look, from, I'll let at you, 3 o'clock on Saturday I'll let you 14th. and Keith break down the game next week. I'll, I'll save that for you guys, but... For us, we, we enjoyed the, the story of the tradition and, and what these guys feel like being a part of it. So. Well, yeah, and, and and please listen to the, the other interviews with the players because I thought some of those were – it was fascinating to hear what the weeks leading – not just the couple days leading up to the game, but already the hijinks that goes on at the On at the, the campuses. And, and Yeah, we got a bunch of fun little stories there. Uh, we'll put that out after probably – probably come out Saturday or Sunday. I would think I'll, I'll get it done and mm -hmm. it'll be out. You can find it on our website. You can find it on iTunes. You can now find us on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. 
Go get your playlist ready. We're everywhere. We, yeah, we're just taking over the world. All right, <laughs> let's get back to football on the field. Uh, some yeah. championships. Some college football. Some conference championships this weekend. Temple should find out. Let's start with Temple. Temple is going to find out on Sunday, just like everybody else, what bowl they're going to. And, you know, again, kudos to Temple. You know, another new coach and another bowl Another good year. Very true. Uh, mm-hmm. Very true. We'll see what he's able to do with the recruiting in the offseason and yep. everything. Keep building it up. Have a an offseason here. Yeah. Me, I mean, and meanwhile, former Temple coach Matt Rule is, is you know, he's this got a close chance. He's got to a chance to the, shake the whole thing up. Of yes. all the teams that are playing this weekend, I find Baylor to be the most interesting. We'll get to them in a second. Tonight, you've got Utah, Oregon. Mm-hmm. If Utah can win this game, they put themselves in a very questionable debate about who's that four or five team in the, the top they put four. Them, they put themselves in the best position to complain about not getting in. Absolutely. That's basically what happens. Because so, I would predict there's all, virtually no way that Utah gets in. Okay, so let's go through this real fast. Yeah. So Utah plays tonight. If they win, they'll put themselves in consideration. Right. Tomorrow's games. At noon, you've got Oklahoma-Baylor. Uh-huh. Now, Baylor was up by 20-something points in the first game before Oklahoma came back and won. So right. they know they can play with them on and that's the, their on only the loss. field. It's their only loss right. this season. Mm-hmm. Baylor wins that game. Uh, Oklahoma's not in the top four. Okay, but the what happens, becomes, what happens if Baylor, Oklahoma wins that game? Well, if Oklahoma's in that game, if Oklahoma wins, then they're in the top four. Uh, unless... No, 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 no. Unless... Unless Georgia, Georgia wins. wins. Yeah. And then if Georgia wins... How far does LSU fall? Because I don't think they fall out of the top four. There is no way that LSU, unless they get just annihilated, which isn't going to happen. Not with that quarterback. Now, Wisconsin can mess things up for some people if they beat Ohio State. That could open a spot up. Uh, I, I think I, if, I would be well. This, if Wisconsin beats Ohio State, okay. I don't think that Ohio State stays in the top four. Oh, see, I think you're wrong. You I, think they I, stay I, a top I, four team? I think that if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, it's going to be a close game if they lose. They're not going to get blown out by Wisconsin. If that happens, as much as it pains me personally, Ohio State will stay in the top four. You think so? Yes. Okay. But this is this not just another reason for another year that that it makes no sense that there aren't eight teams. Well, I've There's always five said power that. five conferences, and then you have three at large. That's that. This is such a simple thing to do. So, is it better to have the controversy of people talking about it, or have the games on? You'd the You'd still have controversy. That's what I think. Nine and ten. Nine would and still ten be would complain. It's like the teams that don't make the field of what sixty eight now, sixty nine and yeah, seventy. Yeah, but but this is different. This is, we're talking about one extra game, or one extra week, and you're talking about it just making it more interesting, and quite frankly, making them a lot more money. If Virginia were to shock the world and beat Clemson, that I do not think will that's happen. That's not happening. Would Clemson fall out of the top four? Yes. Okay. As much as Tabo Sweeney has been complaining about it, they will. It's not their fault. So is that the chance that, but that Utah conference has? Stinks this year. Is that the chance that Utah has, or a team like that, to get up into the top four? Is that sort of the only chance you see? Yeah. For them breaking uh-huh. in, because right now it seems like your LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and who's your fourth? Well, if Georgia beats LSU, it's going to be Georgia. So you think so it's Georgia, LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State? Yes. Okay, so everybody will complain that it's two SEC teams. Yes. Again. What about if LSU wins? Who's your fourth team in? It's a, uh, the winner of the Oklahoma-Baylor game. Okay, so you think that Baylor will jump Utah in order to, to make it? Yes. Even even though if you look at Utah, uh, I think the Pac-12 is better than 
it's portrayed. And Utah's defense is a superior defense. Very good. But the problem is, is nobody wants to see Utah play. And you're, you leave it to this committee to decide what the, basically what the sexiest games are. And Utah just won't fit into that. Are you excited about where we're heading for a top four for the BCS? Do you think it's going to I think there'll be good games. Okay. I, I actually think the best, the best four would probably be um, LSU. Clemson, LSU, Georgia, and um, Ohio, Ohio State. State. Okay. What I, what I would have kind of hoped for, as much as I don't like Alabama, would have been Oklahoma and Alabama to play each other to see Jalen Hurts play against his team from last year. Does it make you? That would have been an yeah, interesting Yeah, but I think game. you like the fact that Saban's not in it, too. So. Oh, I, I enjoy that a lot. <laughs> yeah, so yes. like, I think you're a little conflicted uh-huh. there. I don't know that you'd want to see. As, but as far as good football games, that would have been a really good football game. It would have been. And mm-hmm. look, we'll see what, what happens with the seating. You and Keith will be able to talk about it next week. There'll be plenty to argue about as we go the forward. The best championship game right now would be Clemson-LSU. Yeah, those, I think, are the two most talented teams. Yes. In terms of, of and, and as far is. as offense go, I mean, you would have the two best quarterbacks, arguably in the country, playing in that game. That'd be fun. The, I mean, the two guys who are going to be sitting there It'll waiting to see which one gets the Heisman. Why don't we uh, head to a break? When we come back, we'll start with a little NFL football. Have Zach Berman join us, and then uh, get to everything else after that. Sound good, Jeff? Mm-hmm. All right, stick with us. Sports lets people live their dreams, overcome obstacles, and achieve goals. But what's your unimaginable? Do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? To push your limits? The A-Fatty clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined. To overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with A-Fatty on you, the original street leisure clothing brand. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports. With Breaking Jason news again, and Jeff Cohen. I know you wanted to get done with the college football stuff, but before we get Zach on, we should uh, point out that uh, for you Penn State people out there, James Franklin has just agreed to an extension through twenty twenty five. So, so he it looks be, like he will not be going anywhere after all. He won't be uh, going to Florida State. He won't be. Uh, why would you? Why would you leave Penn State to go to Florida State, man? I wouldn't, but. I'd Coaches do a lot of things for money. It, it really is. I mean, if you in college football, if you can develop a team Why and develop a culture, you could be there for decades, living a very comfortable life. And and guys like James Franklin don't have to, other than to seal the deal, don't yeah, have to you, go out and do the recruiting. You stuff. know, ego is is what ends up getting to it. Why don't we leave the college there? Let's get to some NFL stuff. Uh, really happy to be joined right now by Zach Berman of the Athletics. Zach, how you doing today, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, um, anybody want to win the NFC East this season? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. It's a division that's uh, obviously not going the way they drew it up. 
So I thought going into it, the Eagles and the Cowboys would be the two best teams. They are the two best teams. But I thought they would be competing for like 10, 11 wins, not eight, nine wins. Did you, did you mean 11 wins combined? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wrong about that one. It's amazing. The NFC East has 16 total wins by division. The next closest division has six more wins. It's amazing how bad this division has become. We can leave the Cowboys there for a second. Well, uh, wait, the Giants will be ba- back in it any day now, now that Eli's back. Eli's back. We'll right. get to him in a second. Uh, Zach, I did not break my TV last week watching the Dolphins game. Sound like a lot of Eagles fans were there. Any any thoughts on what went down there? The the after of of Doug Peterson sort of saying the team wasn't really prepared as much, or they were they were the other, the Dolphins wanted it more, and then cleaning that up. Any thoughts on what happened after this game? Sure, it was a defensive breakdown. That's what really jumped out to me was that this defense was hot going into it. They had uh, kept opponents to 17 points or fewer in the previous four games, and they just collapsed in the second half. There was a lot of reasons for it. The cornerbacks in particular were a problem. The pass rush wasn't getting home when the Dolphins had max protect on deep balls or got rid of the ball quickly otherwise. Uh, But you take away what the defense's bread and butter is, and they're going to be vulnerable, and that's exactly what happened. So, And and then I can't absolve the offense either. Carson Wentz took a bad sack at one point. Zach Ertz had two drops that are uncharacteristic of him. And I think the Eagles uh, looked it over, or I don't want to say looked over Miami, but certainly took their foot off the pedal. And they can't do that. They saw what happens if they could. They said that wasn't the case, but the reality is that their problem was that they looked over Miami, then the problem is that their talent is comparable to Miami, and if that's the case, that's a major problem. Zach, one of the things that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks at least is that whoever is ISOed on Ronald Darby, the ball seems to be going to him a lot. Is, is, the, is there any way that the Eagles are trying to – minimize the impact of Ronald Darby having one-on-one coverage? No, they actually like Darby in one-on-one coverage for the most part. Now, Darby does a pretty good job sticking with his receiver. I don't think he has great ball skills, and we've seen that over his time here. And uh, there are times when his coverage is there, but the receiver makes a catch. So you got to judge it based on the receiver making a catch. But 50-50 balls. Darby needs to do a better job. And I think you saw that on Sunday, especially when he was on Devontae Parker. He needs to win those 50-50 balls. Yeah, that was frustrating to watch. What's the feeling down there? You were out of practice today. They they practice in pads some this week when they don't normally do it. Got some injuries. What's the feel of the team being around them right now heading into the game this week? Yeah, you can say there's a sense of urgency, but the reality is there should have been a sense of urgency last week and really every game since they got back from the bye. Uh, so I think that's more of a talking point than it is something in practicality. They know they need to win. They know there was only four games left here. Uh, so I think the mood is that they they know they need to win. They know there's an opportunity here. It's not like they're in a division where it's loaded, like we said earlier. Even at 5-7, and seven, they have a clear path to the playoffs that they win winnable games, and that's really the way they're thinking about it. As for the pattern of practice, it is somewhat unusual. They, although if you look at the NFL rules, you can only have um, three padded practices in the final six weeks of the season. So it would matter when you disperse them. Doug Peterson typically goes with walkthroughs later in the year. 
although coming off of a Sunday loss and they're playing Monday, there's more time to recover. I think that could have factored into it as well. How healthy are they going to be going into this game, especially on defense with Derek Barnett and his ankle and then Camus Grigier Hill with the concussion? Yeah, those are two important injuries to monitor. Uh, I'll know more tomorrow. Uh, you know, they have their last practice tomorrow. It's a Saturday practice with typical Friday schedule because of the Monday night game. Doug Peterson will have his press conference, so I'll have a better idea then. Those are the only two injuries to really monitor. Nelson Aguilar as well, but that might be some maintenance. Jordan Howard, I don't anticipate Jordan Howard playing. He's been limited in practice, but he's not cleared for contact. So until he's cleared for contact, he's going to be out. Coach didn't seem too thrilled about the questions about uh, what's taking so long with Jordan Howard's injury. Is, Is Doug Peterson frustrated with some of these injuries and, and how long it's taking for the players to come back this season. It just seemed like he was pretty short the other day when asked about Jordan Howard's return. I don't think he's frustrated as much with the injury as he is with the questions. Gotcha. Uh, you know, it's just the nature of that job. He doesn't love questions about injuries, and a lot of questions are about injuries when you're the spokesperson of the team. He doesn't take the uh, approach that Andy Reid did where Andy Reid tried to be transparent or relatively so with the injuries by starting off those press conferences with injuries. So in order to get any information out of Doug, you need to ask questions. I don't think Doug loves those questions, but that's part of the job. I was reading your uh, latest on the eight things to look out for in the game. And by the way, we recommend people subscribe to be able to read it. Uh, without Jordan Howard in, a significant drop-off, only 30.9% of offensive plays during the last three games, averaging 93 yards during their first nine, 45% of the plays for 127 yards. Can they, even without him, try to get a little more balance this week? Uh, Miles Sanders has played well at times. He sort of was taken out of the game. He was in the game, but the Dolphins sort of took him out, or the Eagles' plan in the second half didn't have him as successful. He was running well in the first half. What do you think we're going to see out of the running backs against this Giants defense on Monday night? You know, I think Miles Sanders has been playing well. Um, he's coming off a career high in carries and yards, and I think you're going to see a lot of him on, on Monday. Um, whether you see that pass-run ratio different, it's hard to say. A lot of it depends on game situation. Uh, you know, you can get on Doug for getting off the run in the second half the other night, but – the reality is, you know, they had plays that were working in the passing game, and they were moving the ball through the air. Zach Ertz makes a, a second down catch in the red zone, and they're in position to score. Um, you know, I, I really I look back, there were only two plays that I think you could really say perhaps they should have run there, and that's being generous. So I, I don't think the play calling was the issue, but I do think Miles Sanders is going to be involved and is going to be involved quite a bit. You think Miles Sanders is at all motivated by the fact that he's he's now going to be ac- across the uh, field from the guy that he played with at Penn State? <laughs> I believe so. Um, you know, he said that's not kind of a factor in the game for him. Uh, certainly, he's looking forward to playing against Saquon Barkley, but you know, the Eagles need a win regardless. Uh, but if you know the history between the guys and you know the competitiveness of the players then certainly I, th- I think it's an added motivation in the game, if you will. It's going to be Eli Manning's first game playing since he was benched earlier this season. What do you expect to see out of him? I'm of two minds. One, he could be the stationary quarterback that the defense finally gets off on and, and can get to. The other is I worry that uh, Eli makes the secondary look bad like others have. Uh, 
Any thoughts on what you think we're going to see from the Giants on Monday night? I think both are applicable. I think you're going to see a stationary quarterback with a pass rush from the get-to, but I think that you're going to see a quarterback who gets rid of the ball quickly, who the moment's not too big for him, and if the coverage isn't there, he's going to make it a long day. Uh, so, you know, I actually think the Eagles would have been better off playing against Daniel Jones, a rookie quarterback playing on the road on a Monday night, than Eli, someone who started every Eagles-Giants team since November 2004. Uh, certainly the odds makers don't think that the line went up after that quarterback change was announced. But, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to, I think you'll see a motivated Eli Manning. I think you'll see an Eli Manning essentially playing with house's money. He can really kind of, uh, I don't want to say improve his legacy, but certainly the way he goes out matters. And I think how he plays Sunday is, that there's going to be a lot of attention on it, so I'm curious to see. It seems like they're going to have Golden Tate back. It looks like he, he'll have a decent amount of weapons to throw to in the game. What is the Giants' line like, though? Is Are they going to be able to keep him protected long enough for him to wait for what receivers to get open? Yeah, that's a big question. The Giants' line's been inconsistent this year, and I think the Eagles can get the lie. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see if Derek Barnett plays. That's a, that's a big factor, but Josh Sweat has been rushing well also. And, you know, Vinny Curry would also get some time. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think they need Barnett in there. You want to see Tim Jernigan next to uh, Fletcher Cox taking advantage of double teams. You want to see Fletcher Cox making plays. The Eagles can win at the line of scrimmage, and that's what's going to need to happen. If you look at the difference between first half and second half in Miami, I think the pass rush is one thing you need to look at. I just wonder what the atmosphere is going to be like there. In my, my opinion, they got to come out fast because if they get down, uh, the crowd could be interesting there. What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like? I mean, obviously people hype for a Monday night game. A little bit different with the records. What are you expecting down there? Yeah, I think you gave good summation. I think it's going to be a crowd that's excited. But I think if they struggle early on, you're going to see a crowd that kind of gets on these guys. So... Um, you know, I think starting fast, whether it's an offense or defense, is important. Uh, you know, if the defense gives up early scores, then I think the you know, crowd's going to be on them. And if Carson Wentz is early three and out, the crowd's going to be on him. Uh, so you don't need to score every time and hold the Giants every time. But, you know, I think the Eagles need to have a, a productive first half. And if people want to not be as frustrated about this season, remember 2017, how can they find your book, Underdogs? I'll give you a plug there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, the book, Underdogs, The Total of Eagles, Emotional Roads, and Super Bowl Victory, it, yeah, it's available wherever books are sold, and Amazon.com or bookstores, and it, it really gets into kind of the characters and the moments that made that team special. Well, we uh, hope everybody gives you a follow at ZBerm, read your stuff on The Athletic, and I uh, look forward to your coverage of the game this week. Thanks for giving us a little bit of time. Anytime. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, man. How you feel? So speaking speaking of um, guys that were part of that team, Nick Foles seems to have the star seems to have fallen. What would you do if you're the Jaguars right now? I don't know because because the, they're if they get rid of him, they're going it's going to be a lot of dead money, thirty three million dollars. So I don't I don't know and if you keep him and sit him on the bench, it's twenty two million. Right. So. That's Pretty big number for well, a backup. Do you give up on him this quickly? I mean, he's recovering from a pretty serious injury. 
So why why not bring him back next year? I, I don't see the reason that you wouldn't bring him back. I don't know if you're going to be – there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be available after this season. You have Cam Newton. You you have maybe Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, although I don't know if anybody's going to want him at this point. Teddy Bridgewater. There there are a decent number of quarterbacks. Tom Brady. Robert reminds us. from He's not going anywhere. Oh, I think he is. Where do you think he's going? San Francisco? I don't know. Because that's his favorite team? I think he's done in New England this year. I don't. I think that there is something I behind the scenes with that relationship. Yeah, but that this but, will be his last but if year he, as an if, eagle. If he's or as, a as an eagle, Patriot. Yeah, you wish. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You don't. I would take it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind you that. wouldn't have minded having no. him for the last, you know, twenty years. But no, if if Tom Brady is going to be done, I think he's going to be done as a Patriot. I, I think that as much as he his ego may want to continue. I think that there's something to be said to be the last quarterback who played X number of years for one team. Why, yeah, I know his house was on the market in Boston and all the other stuff, but I can you see Tom Brady playing anywhere else? No. So but again, this is a business, and I yeah, just, but he he doesn't need to do it for the money. By the way, he's he's the second in line and his breadwinners in that house. So Tom's not exactly hurting for dough. At this point in his career, and he can continue to don't do. Be, don't be jealous. If you if you th- if you thought that that Peyton Manning did a lot of commercials, Tom Brady will be making a lot more money than Peyton Manning when he retires. Don't worry, and and he'll end up on the radio or TV or someplace like that. He'll he'll be perfectly fine. You think Tom will be okay? Yeah. No worries about him. Yeah, I I would stop fretting about him. Carolina fired their head coach this week. He surprised. No more Ron Rivera there. Why fire him now? Like, unless you had somebody else in mind that you needed to scoop up at this point, why would you fire the coach with four games left? Didn't make much sense to me. He Although, if I'm, the, ca- if I'm the Cowboys, season. I would fire Jason Garrett last week. But they're week. not. No. They're not firing him. And, and look at the smile on your face just when I said that. I hope they keep him forever. Right. <laughs> I, I, would, I would like to start a GoFundMe for the employee Jason Garrett as the <laughs> Dallas coach forever. <laughs> That's where I come at this one. I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, just see that the 49ers announcer was suspended over his remarks. Mm-hmm. Did you see yeah. what he said? I saw what he said. It's kind of crazy. You really want to get into that? I just wanted to see if you saw it. Uh, oh, I saw it. I, 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 Richard Sherman actually defended him, which surprised me. Richard Sherman's just an enigma. Just, uh, like, do you just wonder whether Richard Sherman always says? I mean, he what, said like, that what he said was wrong, but then he also said that he could have said that in a different way. So it was just really weird um, to to watch the reactions out there, but the broadcaster was suspended for... It's just not something I would have ever thought, let alone said, and I don't understand where people come across saying stuff like that. Uh, I don't really have much to add other than that. It's fantasy playoffs. Did you make it? I did. All right. Yeah. Are you happy? I'm happy you'd be miserable if you didn't. The the reason that I made it was because I put Devontae Parker in over guys (laughs) that that were predicted to have a lot more points than him Uh, because I knew that he was going to have one-on-one coverage with Darby. With Darby. Zach knows a lot more than we do. So basically, Ronald Darby helped you make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Parker, I think, had close to 35 points last week. Send him a fruit basket. Yes. Uh, what games are piquing your interest this weekend on the NFL schedule? Well, I think the Giants-Eagles game is one of them. I, I actually think it'll be close. I told you about that. Uh, I'm at 3.30, I'll be sitting on a beach. Mm-hmm. I'll be oh, watching stop. the game. 
Hit the dump button again. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting real tired of this Hawaii talk. First, I had to hear it from the Army coach. Now I got to hear it from you. I don't need to hear any more Hawaii talk. I'm looking forward to San Francisco against the Saints. Yeah, well, um, that's uh, other than that in the Kansas City Patriots game, there aren't a lot of good games to watch. Those, you know, unless you're going to get excited about Cincinnati versus Cleveland. I think the Rams-Seahawks game will be interesting. Uh, By the way. Yes. Okay. So last where are we? Night. I have no Le- idea where Le- you're going Le- here. Last you got all like perked up yeah, for a second. Well, I, well, I don't know what you're going to do now. Because I don't know where my hatred for the Browns developed oh, over God. the course. But but again, last night I'm sitting at a bar and all of a sudden I see coming across the screen, Odell Beckham doesn't know where he's going to be next year. <laughs> Shocker, huh? Today today he said that that was misunderstood and he oh yeah, uh, he's misunderstood. He just right? doesn't he just doesn't like losing. So yeah. let me ask you a question: yes. If he becomes available, you want him here? No, no, I don't want to deal with that. Okay, I just great talent. I'm I surprised that you would say that. No, I've. I could be wrong. Yeah. Look, I, I've been wrong before. Uh, Jeff, Robert, that, we do a segment. I was wrong occasionally. Uh, I'd find be fine if I was wrong and he came here and was that, a good. How citizen. is that team such a mess? I, I feel like this team that the Eagles have already has chemistry issues behind the scenes, as you <laughs> so, see with so what's one the more? leaking of the stories. And so I don't think adding that type of situation in a locker room that already has issues will necessarily improve the situation. All right, well, can can we talk about a team that has good chemistry just for a couple minutes? Sure. How about the Flyers? They definitely have good chemistry. Uh, th- this is the best team that they've had in maybe a decade? Despite the is loss Is it fair to night. say? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, they are deeper, stronger, faster, younger, more exciting, and nobody's coming to watch them. Uh, yeah, but, you know, th- before you get to the nobody's coming to watch them, there were still 15,000 people in the building. It's not like the building was empty, but on a, on a weeknight. But the, the fact is, is this, I heard some of the players talking about how the trip to Prague followed by the long trip out West Bond to play them. the Canadian really gave this team a chance to bond and people poo poo team chemistry sometime and talk about skill. Lots of teams have skill. This team needed that opportunity because there is there really is a good blend of veterans and young players. I'm going to go over the young players for you on go this for team. It. Carter Hart's 21. Mm-hmm. Travis Konechny's 22. And Konechny's playing great. Amazing. Yeah. Living up to every bit of that contract mm-hmm. that he got this year. Ivan Provorov playing fantastic, 22. Mm-hmm. Phil Myers, 22. Travis Sanheim, 23. Oscar Lindblom, 23. Morgan Frost, 20. Joel Farabee, 19. Nolan Patrick, who hasn't even gotten on the ice yet, 21. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of unfortunate, what's going on with him with the headaches. Yeah, and hopefully I, they can I get the migraines. I hope that they can, because he has so much talent. I mean, your senior citizens in that group are Sean Couturier at 26, Shane Gossespierre at 26. Well, no, that's in your list. That's not the senior citizens. But the senior citizens are Claude Giroux. Of course. And Voracek. Of course. Yeah. But th- this team is significantly younger and faster and more exciting. Mm-hmm. And the goaltending that they've gotten between Elliott and Carter Hart has really been impressive. I, I don't think anybody expected what they've gotten out of Elliott. It's been able to allow Carter Hart to have those down nights and bounce back without having to go and be the only guy there to put the weight on. Right. Um, any other thoughts on what you're seeing in the NHL? There's a lot going on behind the scenes with coaches being fired and um, things coming out about mistreatment of players and bullying. You've been following that at all? Hey, go ahead. Fill me in. It's just crazy. Uh, there's 
coaches that were bullying players and saying racist things. And so far, Calgary's coach has resigned. And mm-hmm. like previous coaches, reports are coming out about. Oh, is that why Calgary was... decided to then announce that they were building a new stadium? Uh, probably. Th- th- that was the distraction. Uh, the saddle domes being replaced. Apparently. All right. Uh, it just a lot going on there to, so, so, to watch. So back to back to your. Um, since you decided you're going to complain about the fans of Philadelphia. Why I would why never you, complain about the well, fans so of Philadelphia. Well, so why don't, why don't you just talk about that for a second? I, I just think it's a missed opportunity for people to go and see a fun, exciting team. I get it that, that people are jaded as you put on your, your gritty gear here. I understand that people are jaded by how this team has played in past years, but they have made an uh, effort to get better and improve, mm-hmm. Jeff, I'm taking a picture. No, of no, no gritty. pictures. I will be tweeting that out after the show. <laughs> Jeff is sitting here in studio with his gritty headband on now. That's right. For everyone's entertainment. We will tweet that afterwards. Well, oh, that, yes, that, we that, will. That's from my gritty 5K run. Okay. Um, uh, I think I think that there was so much Flyers mediocre exhaustion over the last decade or so that it's going to take more than a couple weeks for the fans to come running back. But you think fans will, but I I mean, think they you think will. fans will buy it? Yeah. I, they deserve to. So here, uh, but compare that to the Sixers. Okay, so before last night, the Sixers were what, fifteen and six or yeah, 16 they're fifteen and, five. and seven now. They're five and seven on the road, but ten and zero at home. You you looked at the record and you said, uh, didn't you say to yourself, hmm, they, they don't seem like they're that good yet. There's they something about this team that, that is not yet exciting. Well. They've only played with their starters in this 10 of the 22 games. Yeah. You can't wear your gritty headband. Yeah, it's giving me a headache. Uh, sorry about right, that. I'll bring gritty in, gritty in here for you. They haven't had their whole team. Richardson misses his missed his sixth game the other night with his hamstring injury. Yeah. So they haven't had the chance to all play together. And when they do have the team on the court, it just seems like the pieces still don't fit at times. And they're trying to figure and, out. And when you say at times, it's not even full games. It's just like spurts of, yeah. of nightmarishly poor, sloppy play. Like last night, they're going in like with six minutes left in the half, and they're up by 10, and next thing you know, by halftime, they're down by... I went to put my son ridiculous. to bed. They were up 10. I finished putting my son to bed. They were down 10. To the Wizards. And bedtime wasn't that long. There is no <laughs> way that Burton should have been able to play that well against a team as big as the Sixers are. No, not at all. It, it was baffling to watch how bad the defense was. And that's supposed to be the bread and butter of this team. It's supposed to be built on defense. Well, I know so they're there's tall, no Jeff. way. Okay, so they're tall. Then stop somebody like Burton's from scoring 20-some-odd points. It, it shouldn't happen. If anybody wants to see funny pictures, you can see me standing next to Joel Embiid. They almost had to cut my head off to fit him in the picture. I'm just not that tall. Right, Jeff? I will not comment on what, what people did, what in the Laura station call called a troll, a, a, a hobbit, a hobbit. Yes, I, I knew it was some short <laughs> comment that I appreciated. She said you look like you were standing next to Gandalf. Yeah, look, people, for, for people, people at this station are ring. nothing if not supportive right. of our insecurities. Uh, before we get off the air, we got a couple minutes left. We got to get to the Phillies. Drop 118 Ooh. million dollars on a pitcher this week, Zach Wheeler. Reports out this afternoon, ready to go over the salary cap to sign Anthony Rendon, who the Nationals say that they can't sign both Strasburg but, and Rendon. Okay, so th- here's the thing, though. If you sign Rendon, what are you doing with Alec Bohm? That's my question. Hmm? See, I think, though, if they're signing Rendon, they're they, going to try and move Hoskins and put Bohm at first. Whew. 
you know what? You can't you can't mess up a player the way they messed them up and then. Why just not? They chuck do it all the out. time. They do it all the time. They move people around. Tell me I'm wrong. Because there's no place Bohm can play other than I mean I guess he can play first, but he can't play the outfield. There's only so many guys you oh, can no, throw in the outfield. He's not playing in the outfield. Yeah, so it, it doesn't make sense to go out and get Rendon. Wheeler's deal is five years, 118 million dollars. He had a 3.96 ERA last season with the Mets. He's made 60 starts over the past two seasons, going 23 and 15. You had sent me a story about his fastball. He throws a lot of a two seam. Well, fastball. It, it was it was less about him. It was more about Cole. Cole, and the what the Astros did, and and what what the theory is is that when Cole got to the Astros, the Astros evaluated the strength of his two fastballs, the four the four seam and the two seam, and the two seam is one that more that rides out to the you know sides, and it, there's more movement in it, and it's a little slower. And they said that his they told him to get rid of his two-seam fastball because his stats against hitters with the two-seam was not as, as effective. And that article that I read, it was fascinating to see that Zach Wheeler has the same characteristics in that he's very successful with his four-seam, not as successful with his two-seam, and that with the two-seam fastball, it's not as effective in general anymore because players are now using instead of a straight swing path are now using an uppercut so that you're not going to get be able to get hitters to use the to, to hit into ground balls and double plays by using a two seam which he sense. threw the two seam with men on and, and correct got and it, it was it was not effective at all so if you at all concerned about his health it it worries me a little bit but it's only a five-year deal. It's not like they signed him to seven or ten years. And, okay. and, and $118 million is, is a whole lot to you or I. I don't think that that prohibits the Phillies from doing anything else. If that's the biggest move they do in the offseason, I'd be really concerned. And it, I would rather go out. I don't think they can get cold now that the Yankees have been given, given Cashman's given, been given like, apparently an open checkbook that's who to they just want. get yeah. whoever they want. I would try to get Strasburg before I would try to get Rendon. So you'd focus on pitching. Yes. Uh, speaking of third base, they non-tendered Mikel Franco and Cesar Hernandez this week. Ever I don't seen, get it. Ever seen a team devalue their players so much that they get absolutely nothing for uh, them? They need uh, to get a bag of balls for two guys who started and one who was an all-star. Yeah, team. I mean, Frank Franco I get, kind of. Cesar I don't get at all. They could have tendered him an offer, had him for another year. He was a top-five second baseman in the National League. As frustrating as he is as a player— Go ahead and name me four better second basemen in the National League, and you can't do it. And and the fact that you just said, okay, I'm not going to tender him an offer, and I'm just going to let him go. You think that means they're going to try and get D.D. Gregorius? Is that what they're doing? Well, it depends on what they do with Rendon. I mean, to me, the the most logical solution would be Kingery second, give Bohm the chance at third if he's ready, and sign D.D. Gregorius to be your super utility guy. And then what do you do with pitching? Then you go out and get Strasburg if you can. All right, Jeff. Any final thoughts before I don't see you for a full week? Hold down the show. You're going to let me come back? Aloha. Yeah, right. You're ready. You go. You're ready to kick you me out the door. You want a final word? You? Aloha. That's your final see word. You. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure, to join, make sure, sure to join Jeff and Keith next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. I'll be back the week after. Bye-bye.